continuous improvement comes in lots of different flavors and styles. I'm Bella Engelbach, and I'm inviting you to journey with me to the edges of lean. Episode 88, Continuous Improvement and Intelligent Automation with Lauren Heisey. The bots are here, and lean and continuous improvement practitioners see that organizations are eager to take advantage of the capabilities of artificial intelligence, or as my guest Lauren Heisey prefers to call it, intelligent automation. Lauren is here to demystify AI and share with us how continuous improvers can make peace with it and use it effectively in improvement work. And we're going to hear about Lauren's amazing 100 Lunches project. Lauren Heisey, welcome back to the Edges of Lean. Hi, thanks for having me again. Uh, well, what a pleasure to have you back again and to, for you to catch us up on what you've learned over the past of years about um, how we can use uh, some of the new tools that are available to us, particularly how that can be used in organizations that are uh, that are in a lean transformation or I lean organizations. So I'm just, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to get caught up with you. So for the folks who don't know you, Lauren, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and how you got into the field that you're in? Yeah, definitely. I am a uh, continuous improvement consultant. I have my own business, Lauren Heisey Consulting. Um, I also do some fractional work with with another firm as well. Um, but I've been doing continuous improvement for, let me say, probably about 14 plus years. Um, I got my start out at AT&T, got certified as a master black belt there, and then moved over to Nielsen before going into consulting. But as we all know, if you've been doing continuous improvement uh, in any shape or form, we've always been some type of internal consultant. And then um, on top of that, I also do um, a lot of work around automation and technology. So I put continuous improvement and technology together. So I like to think of technology not necessarily as a solution, but as a tool to help the processes to enable the people. I love that. And it's 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 so interesting. I'm sure you still get some pushback on this from the so the the classical lean folks because because there's always this belief that, well, you know, it's all about the people. But automation is is part of lean. I mean, that's really when you think about it you know going all the way back to you know toyota and the the original loom that stopped when there was a you know a mis uh, when the thread broke you know that was about automation automation helping the process so it really is such a it is part of lean you know we can't pretend it's not yeah ex exactly <laughs> go ahead <laughs> <laughs> So, so Lauren, you you came into this um, as a as a six sigma black belt. What was your technology experience coming into the work that you're doing now? Yeah, so I started. I actually got my start in um, in a call center. <laughs> I was I used to. I, I was yeah. I was in. I, you know, I have the most interesting background probably because I was a poli sci major. But I needed a job, so I got a friend of mine said, "Hey, come work with us at the IBM call center," and um, it was all technology. It's technology, right? So it was uh, back in the. I'm going to date myself, but back in the day when you had to use a dialer to, you know, connect your modem to get connected to the internet, right? It's not like today where, where uh, everything's connected all the time. Um, so I did a. I did a lot of work around. Um, um, 
when people would call in having problems with the with the IBM dialer, they used to call it, and uh, to get connected to the internet. So we were doing a lot of that. And then I moved, uh, when I graduated, um, I moved right into becoming a service, uh, was it service engineer? No, I'm sorry, systems engineer at IBM and then AT&T, I did that before I got my start in Lean Six Sigma. In fact, um, while I was assistance wow. engineer, I was I went and got back, I went back and got my MBA. And that's and then after my MBA, I um I I before even before I even really understood what Six Sigma or Lean was, I did a lot of um standardizations within our processes within my department and uh working with our clients to make sure everybody had like like standardized templates to respond back to email requests right just copy and paste copy and paste make it easy um and uh and so i i had that's how i got my start in that and then while i i, I hate to say that i was bored but i was ready for my next thing and that's where i got volunteered into uh eight uh at t six sigma program straight as a black went straight in as a black belt in training um i didn't start out i used to tell people hey start out with yellow belt and uh, white belt and yellow belt or you know, just get a little taste but i went i jumped straight oh you know, just feet first let's go <laughs> Straight, straight in the deep end. Yeah, but you were already thinking end. that way. So, sounds like you were already thinking that yeah. way. And, yeah, and and being a systems engineer, right? That does it sort of kind of encourage you to to be a systems thinker, right? That's a exactly. Hopefully, exactly. that goes with it. Yeah, and you know what? While as a systems engineer, um, you know, we're the uh, AT and T internally was introducing a lot of tools to try to make our jobs a little bit easier. Try to put like try to help the end users do better with their stuff and uh right away we found that we found an issue and so we used to have to like because you always needed like an account even today you need an account you know account user id and password right um and it you used to be able to have to you used to have to manually enter those in and when they came with the tool that you could try to use it but there was a problem with the tool that you could only do like one user id at a time and i remember uh having someone who sat next to me he's really good about writing code and automation right develop this automation for me i would just run in the background <laughs> and so um you know when you talk about automation and technology and people being scared of it um i was i probably was one of the earlier adopters of it because I, it just made my job so much easier so I wasn't spending hours doing mundane tasks. Which I, that's usually the biggest sell to clients or to end users is I'm taking away those manual boring tasks so you can work on more strategic things and you can uh, upscale yourself. And so it, it, sometimes it's an easy sell, sometimes it's not. But usually we tell people, hey, what do you do all day long? What if I could take that away from you so you can work on something that's more exciting? That's usually... My my starting to change management, I guess, and now and getting them more excited to learn something new. Yeah, and it's it's. I was just reading yesterday about this kind of push towards the four day work week, yeah. and um, it was actually it was I was I read an article, but I also I also saw it in our local evening news, and which was kind of funny. And they were talking about, well, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to stop doing some of those things, which are the things that you were talking about, right? So well, some right. of those things that seem like they're a waste of time are things that are very mundane. And, um, and this is, this is, I think it, it would be, it's a dream for some of us, but the idea that, that we could actually have 
automation do some of those things so that we can have more time to do things that are more interesting and that might include uh working fewer hours or working fewer days as well as long as long as everybody's being paid fairly it sounds like a it's, it sounds like a great thing to do exactly so, so lauren can we talk about about ai i think everyone's so, sort of like very um interested excited about um about artificial intelligence right now they put this chat gpt out there where the people can play with so people decide to have experience with that people are using these types of tools in their work um and one of the things that um i know that you believe is that is that artificial intelligence um might not be the term that really helps us understand best how to use this so talk talk to us about your thought process of what, of what you want to what you think we should be saying instead yeah so when i'm talking to people um and we talk about using ai um so first off ai, AI even though we've been using it we all have alexas and googles whatever and series mm -hmm. um that's our artificial intelligence but how do you apply that into the business world right how do we help and so more often than not, people try to like jump straight into the well into the deep end and uh, they don't understand that first you can't just automatically throw technology at something. Um, this is where I think continuous improvement and the technology go together. Um, I usually so when I talk to when I'm talking to people, I usually say, let's talk about um, let's not talk about artificial intelligence first. Let's maybe talk about automation because that usually um, start with the simple things first and then move into more advanced things it's almost like that when we do process improvement right we always like let's go take care of the low-hanging fruit first right so that so it's the same concept when it comes to this all this technology usually it's like let's start with uh, rpa which is robotic process automation let's start something with task oriented make sure that process is standardized then let's put some simple technology into it and then let's learn then let's learn and see how that works first right let's let it stabilize and then let's start um putting in some intelligent aspects into it so what it's like taking automation and then putting ai together with it where you get that intelligent automation and then what you do is you start to build into letting it learn right um again make you make sure it's getting the data that it needs i like to think of it as a kid you know like when you're in kindergarten right you start learning and then you go through all the different grades and then you graduate and then all of a sudden, you, you know, we graduate college, you should have some knowledge of what to do and how to do it. So I think of all of this technology, I think of it like like the chat, like, you know, the chat stuff that's coming out, right? All that, the chat, G, was it chat GBT? Chat GBT, yeah. It's, a kid, it's still like a kid, it's still learning. So I know there's a lot of um, concern about it, right? A lot of concern of, is it gonna be, is it gonna, uh, be discriminative or be, or is it going to provide the right things? What I always tell people is that technology, it's not a solution, it's more of a tool. We're never going to get to the point where there's not going to be some type of human interaction, especially when it comes to something very complex. So when we, um, I have like, I have a client that we, that we took some of the very simple processes, like we were talking about earlier, the mundane, simple stuff. There is no human interaction in that process. 
because it's so simple, right? Um, but it's learning and in, in the automation and the AI part of it are learning. But when there's any, um, if there's anything that that's very complex or that has to make a very complex decision, a human has to be involved with that. It can't just be, uh, it just automatically cannot be the, the, the technology or the bot doing that. So it's almost like putting, I, I think as we start to evolve our business processes and our everyday way of working is that we're gonna be working, we're gonna be working side by side, I wanted to say, right? We're working side by side with the with the bots and the humans. And I think of it as um, if you so we're like in a, I think what is it, the fourth or fifth industrial revolution is what they usually say. And so if you think about back to the time when uh, you have people you know, the operators doing the switchboard, right? For the phones. Mm -hmm. Put, that putting just, those plugs in and out. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's no longer there. It's all automated, right? It's all done pretty fast. So that's um but we created a new set of jobs. And that's why we I also tell people is if I could take away the boring stuff and you can learn something new, what would you want to do? And that's where um, people get excited because then they get to learn. And that's part of the point when it comes to a lean culture or lean transformation. Mm -hmm is promoting that the ability for them to learn and upscale. And so, um, and that's where I think a lot of, um, when we had a lot of the quiet quitting going on, um, I think uh, it, it's still happening today, even though things have kind of slowed down a little bit. Um, people are looking at things a little bit differently than they did in the past, right? So they they want to learn, they want to they want to do something that's a lot more fun. But then you were talking about the four day work week, right? They but they also don't want to spend all their time at work like they used to in the past. I think that's if, if one of the couple of good things that came out of the pandemic where people realized that they really like their time at home or spending mm -hmm. time with their family and friends. So if I can help them spend um, a little less time at work, so they have more time at home. That's that's usually that's the way I, that's usually a big sell when it comes to learning, and then getting home faster. Wow, wow! So you, you talk you're talking about the um, so the artificial intelligence component of this automation learning, and that is so key for lean, right? Because yes, lean is it's learning. It's it's doing experiments so that you can learn something and. One of the things that is always interesting to me is, well, if if I've learned something myself, right, and it's something that would be helpful to other people, so generalizable knowledge. In a lot of organizations, there aren't many places to put generalizable knowledge. So if it's like sort of very standard generalizable knowledge, you could put it into an operating procedure, you know, always do it this right. way. Or when you come to this point, this is the decision that you need to make. But if it's sort of, um, you know, more um, uh, sort of sophisticated knowledge, but, it, but it's also, but it's still generalizable to other people in other situations, sometimes like the only way to share that in a lot of organizations is to you know to coach somebody to mentor somebody you know people talk about having company wikis and writing everything down and my experience with those is is well that stuff gets started somebody gets excited about it maybe someone will maintain it but people don't as a normal part of their work keep a wiki up right right it's yeah a, it takes a certain personality to do that so are there ways that these types of tools could help us with our 
organizational knowledge. As we go through, as we go through our lean learning, as we improve, as we try new things, find out what works. How how could those those tools help us? Um, so yeah, if you think about technology and how that can help us, right? So that's where I think a lot of times, if you could, um, if you think about a bot or a chat bot, right? That they or virtual, they call them virtual assistants. Um, mm -hmm. or be, yeah. So we're like, I had a company that it was like company name and it was like VA, like they, that they kind of nicknamed it that. And one of the biggest ways that that worked with our virtual assistants where is where for knowledge management, we think about this, right? When we think about, um, we think about Cindy here, cause we talked about her a little bit before we got started. Um, it's building that knowledge base, um, in it giving, so if, say for example, there's a problem with someone's computer, like their office computer, instead of calling that help desk, why don't they talk, they can talk to this bot first. And the bot can become very personalized based on what the person needs to do, right? So instead of having very something very standard, it could the bot starts to learn what the what the problems are and it can give back personal recommendations. Um, in fact, the conference I'm going to talk to next week is about um, around actually customer experience. But I, when I think about customer experience, it's not always external, it's also internal. And we're talking about how do we use data and how do we use that to build the knowledge to help create a more personalized experience for the end user. And so that's where I think if we can somehow incorporate those knowledge systems with the bots and the AIs, it will it can help teach us and it's something that can be done sometimes in the background or you can start to talk, you can talk to the bot and start to learn through it. Or maybe the bot can even help you write some of that stuff out um, with, uh -huh. with, with human like. Yeah. Oh, what's it, yeah, that would sound like a chat GPT function. You could say, yeah. well, what, you know, what, what's, what's already been learned about this problem? Yeah, exactly. In this situation. Oh, here's, here's all the things. But it just made me think of something, Lauren. I was thinking one of the things that is the most frustrating that I find when I call customer service is when the, the agent that I'm talking to says, um, please give me a few minutes while I review the history of the problem. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. they're gone and they say a few minutes and they're gone for like seven and a half minutes. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and wouldn't it be cool? Wouldn't it be cool if they had a system that could succinctly present to them the history of the problem so that the cl the customer doesn't have to repeat the whole thing, probably with the using the wrong words the way customers do. Um, and they don't have to go back and read the records from other agents who um and then you know try to piece together what what the story is yeah there that would be that, so cool that is actually half there's already happening with uh some clients that i'm working with um it's oh, so, cool. yeah i get excited it's kind of exciting to see how this stuff has evolved but yeah there's um i so i did work with another client um let me see probably a couple years ago and um it was for their is for their help desk um, or however their agent desk, right? So mm -hmm. they're getting so the problem that's the symptom was that they were getting these increasing calls into the help desk that um, that wasn't predictable. So they couldn't they weren't staffing they couldn't staff right depending on those predictability. So one thing was the one of the first things we did like let's get the data together and let's put something very simple some simple automations that says hey if you see this 
if this, because I did, I process mapped the entire process from end to end, and it wasn't just in the call center because it, it figured out it was emails that they were sending out to their customers that were causing the spikes. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and they couldn't figure out the right way to to predict it. So you know, I'm like, well, it's very easy because you're what was happening is that you know, they were very siloed. So they had different data here, different data there and these different departments, but they weren't really cross sharing them. And then after just doing some really simple, serious simple analysis, when they send the emails out, calls were spiking about two weeks later because, you know, people were taking the, taking the time. So anyways, long story short, um, they started to enable putting into because um, it, it's it, it, for that kind of um, solution does take a little while. They finally implemented it, and basically what it does is when so first thing is when they when a customer calls in, they they put in their like a phone number or their account number. That takes all the information. So one, the call agent doesn't necessarily have to um, get all that and put it manually put it into a ticket. They were able to, you know, and then ask, oh, what was your problem? If you talked to that was already. So as the person is on hold and is queued up, um, they will talk to a chatbot will come and start talking to them first to see what's going on. Or the chatbot does, you know, does that quick little read of history. And then once they get to the, if they still want to talk to an agent, the agent sees right away what's going on and already knows what's going on before they even talk to that person. So that. That's that, and that's a, that. That is so amazing yeah. because that's you know that wait right while you're waiting for someone to read all yeah. through all all of the previous um, interactions is is just one of the things that adds up to sort of the the frustration that people have by the time they're finally talking to the poor agent they're already yeah. you know a little aggravated and. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, would, and, yeah. And that's and, and, and like for that whole, for that whole thing with that client, it really, it came down to, it wasn't, they wanted to deflect the number of calls coming into the call center agent, but, and then to better staff at the same time, they wanted to improve the customer experience. So without, um, and that's where a lot of that intelligent automation and AI and all of that kind of comes together because um, at the end of the day, you don't want to ruin the customer experience, regardless of internal or external customer experience. Um, you wanna make someone's day better. Um, and that's why I, th I think, and help the people to learn, not just the, the customer to learn, the employee to learn, the bots to learn. At the end of the day, we wanna, um, I think when it comes to lean, we wanna make things better for people. Not, well, that's, the, that's my personal right. feeling on how I feel with it. Um, yeah, but that that term you just used, intelligent automation. I, I mean, that to me is it's it's really brilliant, right? Because it's it's not at when as you were saying before, people have a lot of concern about AI, about interactions with bots. You know, are they are they going to do the wrong thing? And, you know, are they is it discrimination built into them? You know, there are all these questions about it. But if we if we kind of flip it around and say it's not out there it shouldn't be out there on its own running rampant right right it needs to be part of a system it's a it's a tool in the system and you you use it intelligent it's not just that it's intelligent we need to use it intelligently too oh yeah 100 percent. so 
when you and that's part of the I think that's the other part too when it comes to lean and transformations. Um, we all know that part of that transformation comes change management, right? And also having the knowledge base mm -hmm. out there. So it's not just like here, go throw it out there and you know, yeah, we'd use process improvements. If we if we've any if any one of us have been through a transformation, we had to learn how that new process works. The same thing still works here, regardless if it's a person or the bot or it's it's but it's also teaching the the humans how to interact with that and how to make the right decision help make those right decisions um another part that that's a new term that um some people in our world don't always understand but people in technology understand is um, you don't always need to be a developer to, to kind of use a technology. They're finding out there's these uh, new terms. It's not, I guess it's not relatively new. It might be new to our world. It's called citizen, de citizen developers. So it's basically um, empowering the people. And that's what the other thing that I like about Lean in this term citizen developer is empowering the people that actually do the processes to be, so they become problem solvers, right? So they have the knowledge of how to problem solve. We teach them how to do that. But then there's some that can take it a step further. Say, okay, if I do X, Y, Z with this process, if I standardize it, why can't I automate it? And giving them the power to maybe, not everyone, but maybe certain people that get certified in it or have the knowledge of doing some type of automation. That kind of goes back to my days when I was telling you when I was a, a systems engineer where I had someone, he was developer, he was, he that's, when I think about citizen development, that's someone like him that's he's good with development, understands processes, and he was able to create a automation thing for me, like a very simple bot that mm -hmm. did the work for me in the background. But I had to go trigger it. It wasn't like it was always right. I had to go trigger it, but it's something like that where it's going to be. I think we're as we as we start to move into the end of 2023 and into the future, and we're going to see a lot more organizations doing the development work themselves versus going strictly to IT. So that's the other thing I've always, um, I'm where I, I do, oh, I do a lot of, yeah, I do a lot of work with IT folks um, sometimes, uh, but I'm, but I'm trying to teach them with the problem solving that, you know, they, they, um, even though people are getting laid off in the IT sector right now, they're still like, they're strapped for resources, even though some, other bigger companies are letting them go. So that's where you have to have up. I say this is where what's great about Lean Six Sigma and continuous improvement and working with IT in the business units is creating that partnership. So instead of competing against one another, why don't you just part at, create a partnership and a working okay, working agreement? So like IT hands has all the, the standards for technology, but then let your folks who know how to do the problem solve and know that actually work with the processes make some of those simple changes themselves it's like well i'm thinking it's the kind of person um who you know there's always somebody in a group or hopefully there's someone in a group who's like it's really good with excel macros right exactly gonna, it's exactly the same thing gonna, yes yeah yeah that's exactly so, so not, every, not not everybody knows how to do that but you know you can go to Susie and Susie will write a macro for you yes and, and so Susie could probably also learn to do some of this development as well she yes. doesn't have to be in IT 
That's exactly it. And I think that's um, when it when it comes to learning and allowing allowing people to do that, it, that's it just creates a really nice. I think that's where the lean transformation and lean culture on a continuous improvement culture comes into play because we instead of um, telling people what to do, we get we empower them to make those changes or maybe raise their hand and say, hey, I don't know how to do this. But if we but I think if we do this, then maybe yeah go talk to Susie or maybe you take it to IT and IT says hey you know what there's someone in your business unit that may be able to help you today instead of waiting because instead of waiting for six months for an IT resource because unfortunately you know that's it's right, gonna be right. more and, and it, more than all yeah. yeah waiting for it to be created as a project in ITV and then and then you do have that issue that you always have and and which is once it's once something is an IT project, then there you've lost some of the knowledge of yes. what the process is actually supposed to deliver. Right? Exactly, exactly. Which, and so much of the work that happens in IT, especially if people are doing agile, is about trying to figure out what the customer wants and what what actually helps the customer. So get getting the customer closer. In this case, the customer being the internal customer, getting that internal customer closer to being able to actually deliver what would help the process. That's that's really cool. And I can see that's the kind of upskilling you're talking about, right? For some yeah. people, that's going to be, oh, this would be just great. I get to, you know, I get to make this thing that that yeah. is useful. And yeah. that's and that's the other thing too is um when it comes to IT and business and operations and sales, I was um we always try to start small, but at the, same, at the end of the day, I think the biggest thing is having um, where you create those partnerships is creating like a center of excellence when it comes to process improvements, right? Uh, and automation, I think those should all kind of be not one or the other. I think they should kind of be combined because that then, then that helps to create um, the standards that need to be done. Because we just don't want anybody going out there and using whatever tools on the internet because there's because mm -hmm. the issue of security comes into play as well. So that way, if you have a, if you have a set of tools that you already know how to use, that your company is already using. Um, I use AT&T, for example, because um, I know just from the background with AT&T, they have a center of excellence for automation they also have a center of excellence when it comes to quality. And so those two kind of go hand in hand where they say, you can use this these tools um, to help problem solve whatever you, issues you might run into. Now, if it becomes, but if it becomes too advanced, that's where they have a not, they have like a knowledge base on the different automations. If this person wants to dabble a little bit more and they have, um, they have learning sessions that they can attend. Um, but then, of course, if, the, if they get stuck in something, then it needs to go, then it does have to go to IT if it becomes too advanced. Sometimes it just needs that's where IT comes in and steps in and helps yeah, with you, the automation. You need, you need that additional level of skill or yeah. perhaps a programming language that people, you know, is, is something very specialized. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, but it's so cool, Lauren, because it, no matter what we talk about with tools, we always come back to people, right? It's, yes, exactly. It, it is. It's it, always about the people. It's, it's at the end of the day. It's always about the people. It's, um, it's about bridging that gap between the people, processes, and technology. But at the core of it is always going to be people. Yeah, and then these and then these new tools then have the ability to 
learn some of the stuff that we've learned or perhaps even learn some of the stuff that we're not aware of because we're not seeing things from where right. they're sitting and maintain and, de and develop that knowledge for us and so provide it back to us and that's yeah. which is really exciting i mean it helps us helps us be better um yeah, it's a, I think it's it's so much more exciting. It's it's it you know just when it comes into process discovery, right? It's uh, yes, going in doing the traditional gamble walks, we still have to do that. But on top of that, to maybe accelerate things a little bit, especially if the data and systems are there, is doing process mining. I think those two go really really hand in hand. I'm sure some of my, I'm sure some of the traditional uh, Lean Six Sigma folks are probably cringe when I say that, but we still do gimbal walks. We still talk to the people because the people are still at the core of all of this. But if we have mm -hmm. the systems, um, we can kind of see what's going on behind the scenes and systems with process mining, which then gets us into doing the business process management, right? How do we continuously improve and use the tools that we have? It, and it's, it is always great to go to a whiteboard and, you know, and map those processes out with people and understand what they do. But then it's also using the tools to kind of do stuff in the background to figure out how do we continuously improve those systems and continuously improve the people, put those two knowledges together. I think there's it's just powerful. It's, yeah, and it's and and again, it's a it's a way of making things actually making things easier because you know I, when you when you are doing that traditional process mapping and you go to <coughs> excuse me ask the question um well how often does this happen or or what right. you know what percentage of the time is this completed perfectly you know you get a kind of a finger in the wind answer a lot yes but the tool probably has the answer somewhere in it you have it's just you just got to find it um or if you can't find it then you need to set the tool up so it can capture that data for you Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's 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 interesting. I mean, we've come a long way, and it's still, you, it's, you, we still have a lot of processes, and there's still a lot of systems and things that are manual that are maybe not connected. But as we move, as we, move, I think it's, I think it's an exciting time because we got so much going on right now. But it's exciting. It's an exciting time, especially if you like learning and liking to problem solve. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should all like learning, Lauren. Yeah. So, Lauren, I'd like to change the subject for a minute. I would like you to tell us about your lunches. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I'm actually getting getting ready to start this back up. It's it's probably going to take me. I've already done a hundred. I think I've done a hundred and five. I want to get to two hundred. It's probably going to take me a little bit longer to get to two hundred, just because um, things have picked up since twenty twenty for me. Um. But yeah, I've been doing the lunches for since 2020. I started them in the pandemic as a way to figure out, since we weren't able to network in person, how do we network virtually? And um, I forget who the woman, Aline, that got me, was, who got me started on it because I was one of her lunches and she, I was virtual. Um, but it was a way of staying connected to the world, even though we couldn't be in the same room. <laughs> I guess that's the best way to put it. Um, because as we all know, we all uh, twenty. We learned a lot of lessons in twenty twenty, and uh, and I was um, I figured out, you know what, I can still meet people, even if I can't leave my house. So um, that's how it started. Um, and when see, in about uh, the middle of twenty twenty one, I think, yeah, it was the middle of twenty twenty one. It was after I had my first shots, <laughs> my first round of shots. <laughs> I felt a little bit more comfortable meeting people, so um, went and had started having lunches in person in the Atlanta area. 
Um, so have, what, what, what did that feel like the first time you actually sat down and actually ate lunch with somebody <laughs> as opposed to it was kind of having a zoom meeting with them it was different because uh when you're in a zoom meeting it's an hour right i usually schedule yeah. an hour but i don't want to have to go i don't have to you know it, you still get dressed you still get dressed nice but i didn't have to like go somewhere so getting in the car i realized it did take a little bit longer time so it took a little i had to uh, takes a little bit more uh planning but uh, but it was a lot more fun. I think uh, meeting people in person still is still relevant. I know a lot of people like to work from home, but I think a hybrid environment is more of I like doing them virtually and in person. So and so you've done 105 lunches with Lauren, and yeah. you're aiming you're aiming for 200. So who are the who have you talked to? I mean I mean don't list all 105, but what kinds of people have you talked to? Um, I list, I've talked to all kinds of people from all from all different places around the world. Um, a lot of the people come from my network here in Atlanta just because I belong to Kettering, which is an executive network here. Um, I'm now on the board, but um, I, I utilize that because we have like 300 and 360 active members, and then I forget how many we have um, non-active, we call alumni. Um, but it's always a great way to meet people. Um, and then through them, I start meeting other people. Um, I think the farthest person away that was one of my lunches was in Australia. I had two people in Australia, sorry, three people in Australia. Um, wow. Yeah. And that was interesting because I had to, um, I was, those were, those were more about, those were more coffees than they were lunches. <laughs> <laughs> it could only be lunch for one of you, right? Could right. Exactly. Exactly. But the people, they, they come from all, they come from all aspects. I want to say from all industries. Um, I've talked with CEOs all the way down to people that are like the frontline people doing the work. I've talked to health coaches, talked to other consultants, um, all, from all, from all over, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> wow wow so uh, do, you, do you have a couple of takeaways from doing that that you'd like to share yeah so my couple of takeaways is always to keep your network open um don't be afraid to go out there and meet someone new um and when you're networking it's not always it's not about you it's, it's always about how you can help the other person um or just learning about their life because you never know what someone's going to teach you so just be open to learning so I think that's the biggest thing is getting getting to know people, getting to learn, and then maybe uh, understanding how you can help them instead of you them helping you. I love it. I, I, I think I think that was the way you stated that was just really, really beautiful. So yeah, so you you get to keep going at least to two hundred. I think yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, at the end of the day, that's, I, I wish I had done more networking when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I think I I don't, I don't know about you, but when I think, look back on myself when I was younger, I was, I, I probably held myself back from a lot of things. Too, that, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know exactly what I was afraid of. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> That's a whole other topic on itself. But, that uh, is. That is. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I was told once, okay, this is gonna be, I learned this from someone from a networking event. And so this person ended up becoming my mentor. Um she was never afraid to take a risk. And she's like, well, you're in continuous proving. You're used to experimenting. I'm like, I'm used to experimenting inside of business. I wasn't used to experimenting outside of that. And I remember her, I remember telling her um, that I had talked, I thought about going consulting on my own. And she was just, just give it a try. What do you have to lose? And I'm like, oh yeah, I guess I don't 
really don't have much to lose. I'm going to learn something. So it's not like I'm yeah. losing anything. But then she she made a point and she made a point that um, a lot of times when women apply for jobs, they look for jobs that they know they would be safe in that they would get. And so they then they end up getting bored because they're not learning. So she said, whereas on the other side, men take are more risk takers. And they always apply for jobs or go for things that they that are kind of um, they may not have all the skills for, but they know they'll learn. So when she said that to me, I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Why maybe when we were kids, we were taught to be like women sometimes are taught not to be risk takers and men are. Yeah. 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 And so I'm like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, it's uh, so that's what I think held me back a lot as a kid is I didn't want to um, take the risk, which, and I always felt uncomfortable. So that's when you're uncomfortable is where you learn. Right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, um, yeah, so those are, these are all, these are all things that I think that even as, even as we mature, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it does sort of come back. Well, I, you know, I don't know if I should do that, if I should apply for that or if, that's a, you know, yeah. should I go for this particular client? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But as you said, all you're going to do is learn. So exactly. Exactly. Maybe. Yeah. Was it, uh, what is it? You have to, what was that thing you, the Chinese thing, uh, or is it Japanese? I'm sorry. You fall down, fall down seven, get up eight times. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So Lauren, how do people find you? Um, you can find me through my website, Lauren at LaurenHeiseConsulting.com, or actually, you know, let's make this easy, LaurenHeise.com. Type that Lauren in, Heise. that takes you, yeah, it takes you right to my page, or I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. That's a good place to get me as well. That That's that's great. And um, are you looking for people to, to have lunch with? Yes, I am looking for more people yeah. to have lunch with. Yeah, in person or virtual. So, okay. So if you're listening to this, um, Lauren would like to have lunch with you. <laughs> <laughs> how's, that, how's that for an invitation that's perfect that's perfect <laughs> well, well we'll see if anybody takes takes us, us up on that but I would highly recommend having having lunch with Lauren because um you're going to learn something and maybe she'll learn something from you like she like she said you, you don't know what somebody's going to teach you so um yeah yeah so so Lauren we've already talked a little bit about about the days of our of our youth what would be your one piece of advice for a young person starting out? Uh, for my one piece of advice is uh, is to network and be open to learning. And uh, and if and if you have a chance to find a mentor, find one younger because <laughs> they they'll, they'll teach you some of the they'll, they'll be there to answer your questions and then they could help you learn and maybe accelerate a little bit faster. There's your there's your human knowledge management right yeah, there. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, both both in the knowledge, both in the networking, and in having a mentor, right? Yeah, definitely. Because not none of us are born knowing everything, and no, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> all right. Well, Lauren Heisey, it has been such a pleasure to talk with you today, and. Um, I wish you all the best with your next uh, 95 lunches and right. with um, with everything you're doing with um, intelligent automation. Right. Thank you so much, Bella. It's great to have you. This is Bella Engelbach, and I'd like to thank Lauren Heisey for being my guest on The Edges of Lean. What did you learn from this conversation? What ideas did it spark? We would love to hear from you. 
Find Lauren at laurenheiseconsulting.com or on LinkedIn. Find me on LinkedIn or at leadforhumans.com or comment wherever you watch or listen. Subscribe and tell a friend about The Edges of Lean. Please join me in exploring more of The Edges of Lean. There's a lot to learn. And check out my friends in the Lean Communicators community at leancommunicators.com. You'll find more podcasts and videos with lots of great new content every week. The Edges of Lean is written and produced by Bella Engelbeck with support from Podcast Inc. This is a Lean for Humans production.